deal with that, they're going to become part of it. Y'all hearing me? You hearing me? Not, I hear you. Amen. Well, what we're trying to do with our children, and ideally what I'd like to do with you as I do it with myself, is teach and learn how we can effectively build our lives on Christ. If you don't build your lives on Christ, what ends up happening is, is you build your lives on the world and what the world wants you to do. So it's important that both as an individual and as a church family that we learn this, that we learn that we've got to build our lives on Christ and we've got to learn that we, uh, we begin by salvation, salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. See, unless you have been entrusted your life to Jesus, unless you have turned from your sins, there is no way that we're going to be able to build our lives on Christ. So it begins there. That faith is the very foundation. And 2 Peter tells us, uh, the apostle tells us that while we are exercising our faith, while we're uh, building on that foundation, Peter says, here's something I want you to add. Virtue. Now, virtue is kind of an old-fashioned word, but virtue basically means moral excellence. Living right morally. Living with moral excellence even in the midst of a perverse and corrupt generation. He says, add this moral excellence. Now, the only way that we're going to be able to be morally excellent is if we separate ourselves from the world. Pa Peter then says, while we're becoming more excellent, we're to increase in our knowledge of God. As we increase in our knowledge of God, we're to develop self-control. As we develop self-control, we're to build up our perseverance. As we build up our perseverance, we're to grow in godliness. As we grow in godliness, we're also to add brotherly kindness. And as we add brotherly kindness, we will magnify the love of God, the Christian love. Peter says that if you have these traits and those traits are increasing in your life, you will build a life on Christ that will glorify God and magnify Him and also will prove that we are children of God. This is the proof, not the requirement. So what we get to do is we begin. Begin with faith, that foundation of faith in Jesus Christ, and then we add virtue. Virtue again, that moral excellence that requires a certain separation from the world that we live in. God has designed you and he has designed me to be different. Are you hearing me, church? He's designed us to be different. He's designed us to be separate from the world without being stuck up. Amen? Everybody know what stuck up means, right? All right? We're to be separate but not stuck up. We're to be separate from the world but remain effective in the world. Are you getting me? Are you getting me? Not. All right, you're getting me. We've got to be separate from the world, but remain effective in the world. If you would, turn with me to 
2 Corinthians chapter 6 in your Bibles. And I didn't get that page in your Bibles, but y'all know where it's at. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 14. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to other Christians at a church that is very similar to what Bethel would be. Yeah, they had their problems. The church at Corinth did. But you know what? We probably got our problems too, right? So he's writing to a church that has problems. And this is what he says in verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, we preachers like to use that in marriage analogies, right? You don't marry an unbeliever. You don't date an unbeliever, right? Uh, you don't get unequally yoked. I get the picture of uh, uh, an ox on one side of the yoke and a, a donkey on the other side of the yoke, right? Which one are you? Y'all getting me? All right. Anyway, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial or Satan? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you and I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The bottom line of that entire passage pretty much is this. Summing it up, it says, you know what? God's people ought to be deliberate to separate themselves from evil or evil will separate us from our fellowship with God. Y'all get me on that? As Christians, as church members, as believers in Jesus Christ, you've got to separate yourself from evil or that evil will separate you from your fellowship with God. That's just the way it is. Amen? So you can go right ahead and you can participate in a worldly lifestyle if you want to. But don't expect God to be hanging out with you while you do it. He ain't going to do it. Amen? And I don't know about you, but wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I want God there. Right? So I'm going to be very careful not to be living as a worldly citizen, but living as a heavenly citizen. Because unless we choose to separate ourselves from the evil of this world, we cannot enjoy an intimate relationship with God. There's got to be that separation. How do you know, Bill? Well, the Bible says in Isaiah 59 verse 2 that your iniquities, your transgressions have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Living a sinful life full of transgression basically blocks us from the sight of God. And so we don't want to live in that. We want to separate ourselves from that. And the most important truth 
about this separation that I'm talking to you about today is not only are we to separate from the world, but we're also to separate ourselves unto Christ Jesus. Right? You've got to separate yourself from, from evil, but you've got to separate yourself. You've got to be sold out. Amen? Sold out unto Jesus Christ. That's so important. So let's take a look today at three highlights. Three highlights of this issue of separation. First of all, the truth of separation. Going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 again, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? Communion has light with darkness. What accord has Christ with Satan? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You see, as a believer, as God's son or God's daughter, there are some people who you ain't got no business hanging out with. There are some people whom you should not associate. There are some places you should not go. There are some positions that you don't belong in. God says in verse 17, come out from among them and be separate. So how do I do that, Bill? How do I apply this truth in my daily life? First of all, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. It does not mean that you are not to have unbelieving friends. It does not mean that. It does not mean that you are not to have unbelieving friends. But here's what Pastor Vance Havner said. He said, we are not to be isolated, but insulated. Moving in the midst of evil, but remaining untouched by it. Moving in the midst of a perverse and corrupt generation, but not letting it infiltrate who you are. Separation is contact without contamination. Now that's curious because in the book of Hebrews... The Bible says that Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, get this, separate from sinners. That's Jesus. But then in the book of Luke, the Bible tells us that Jesus was a friend. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. So he was separate, but still had friendship. See, when Paul tells you and I to come out and be separate, he's not telling you not to have acquaintances with the lost world. We have to. We were called to make a difference, called to bring Christ to a lost and dying world. We're called to do that. But yoking ourselves together with unbelievers, binding ourselves, hinders this building process that we're making on Christ Jesus. And it does so in three ways. Here's how it hinders the building process. First of all, being too close to the world poisons your life. It poisons your life. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, yes, you are still living in this world. But the Bible says that when you place your faith in Christ, you now have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. 
And the holiness of God has no place with the wickedness of this world. Right? So you have to be in it, but not of it. Here's how Jesus' half-brother James said. He said, whoever wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. So which one do you want to be? A friend of the world or an enemy of God? Being too close to the world poisons your life. But being too close to this world also can paralyze your testimony. If you are in the habit of participating in the conduct of an unbelieving world, you can rest assured that sooner or later, your sins will find you out. You may be doing a good job of keeping them secret now. You may be doing a good job of hiding them now. But sooner or later, your sins will find you out. And when your sins are exposed as a Christian, your testimony is immobilized. Your testimony becomes disabled. Your testimony becomes incapacitated until such time as you choose to separate yourself from the world and separate yourself unto God. So being too close to the world certainly will poison your life. It will paralyze your testimony, but it will also make you passive towards Christ. See, the spirit of this world is going to try to get you to do one of two things. It's going to try to get you to be passive on spiritual matters or passive on scriptural matters. In the spiritual matters, you may become insensitive towards people that are hurting. Don't really care. Doesn't affect me if they're hurting. Right? You may become insensitive towards lost people. I mentioned this this morning in our life group. Hey, I got my ticket. You need to come on and get yours too. Right? But that's the attitude that we have, some people have, toward lost people. You can also become insensitive toward people who need a godly example in their life. Hey, man, I ain't their brother's keeper. I ain't their mama. Right? That's the attitude sometimes that we get. They become insensitive toward the hurting, toward the lost, and toward those that need a good, godly example in their life. Now, on the scriptural matters that sometimes people become passive onto is they say things like this. Brother Bill, I know what the Bible says, but you want to get under my skin? Say, I understand what the Bible says, Bill, but. There ain't no buts. I know what God's word teaches, but. Makes you passive towards scriptural matters. This is the law, y'all. This is, this is the word of God. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It comes from God Almighty. And he is our God. And so when you get along and start getting close to the world, it can make you passive toward not only spiritual matters, but also matters that are already written in stone. Scriptural matters. And if you don't separate yourself from the spirit of this world, you will eventually compromise your faith and start believing the lies of this world. See, here's the truth, y'all. Here's the truth about separation. When you start moving toward Jesus Christ, when you start moving toward loving Jesus with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, when you start moving in that direction, you're going to be faced with this issue of separation. You're going to be faced with this issue, and that's why some people never get saved. They say things like, Bill, I'd give my life to Jesus, but I'm just not willing to give up ABC. I'd love to go to heaven, but I'm just not willing to give up XYZ. The bottom line is, is these folks are, just aren't ready to be S-A-V-E-D. Amen? Y'all know what that spelled? We've got to be willing to proclaim it. Be willing to proclaim that God says, You've got to say no to the world, and you've got to say yes to Jesus. You've got to be willing to say one of those. So how do we do it? How do we avoid poisoning our lives? How do we avoid paralyzing our testimony? How do we avoid being passive toward Jesus Christ in spiritual and scriptural matters? How do we avoid being too close to the world? I'm going to give you three simple ways. One, just avoid certain practices. See, the world will tell you, hey, there are certain practices that are just fine. Go ahead. They're just fine. They're okay. But God says you really need to avoid them. Paul said all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. He said all things are lawful for me, but not all things edify or build up. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. You see, it may not directly affect you, but how might it affect me if you do that certain practice? Right? If you do that certain practice, you know, might you uh, destroy somebody else's possibility of coming to Christ? Christians, we are our brother's keeper. We are responsible for those in our circle of influence People are watching what you do, and they are watching how you do it day in and day out. You can't help what other people do, but they're watching you. And they're watching these practices that you do. And if you're participating in corrupt practices of this world, man, you just got to stop right there. Stop and add separation to your faith. Add separation to your foundation of faith. And avoid worldly ways, listen, whether it's legal or whether it's not. That's irrelevant. There are some certain practices that we must not do. We must come out and be separate, says the Lord. But not only avoid certain practices, but I believe that we need to avoid certain places. Just as there are some practices that we should not participate in, there are also some places that you ain't got no business going. Places that you should not go. Just because it's legal for you to go to a place doesn't make it right in the eyes of God for you to go there. Bottom line is this. If you feel like you need to sneak in so that nobody sees you, you probably ain't got no business. Amen? Amen? Some places, believers don't belong. And God says, come out from among that and be separate. So avoid certain practices, avoid certain places, but you know what? We also ought to avoid certain people. 
There are those that we ought to avoid connecting with. Some people that we ought to avoid being connected with, like some people in business. You just ought not connect with them. Some people in financial dealings, you know, you just probably ought not connect with them. There are some people that uh, you probably ought not connect with on an intimate level as intimate friends. See, there are some people in this world, if you didn't already know it, that are living in direct conflict with the ways of God. And I'm telling you this this morning, not because I think you're uh, ignorant. I'm telling you this and reminding you of this so that you will beware. That not, not everybody in your life is good for you. And you need to be very discerning about that and use the wisdom of God when you're bringing people into your intimate circle. So how do we avoid becoming too close to the world? Avoid certain practices. Avoid certain places. Avoid certain people. That's the truth of separation. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. Now, there's something else I want to share with you about this separation issue, and that is the blessing of separation. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, at the end of verse 16, Paul again says, For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Now, I read that, but did y'all get that? See, sometimes you've got to read between the lines in Scripture. Because as I'm reading that, Paul just got through saying that if you and I... As God's children, as God's people, as the church of Jesus Christ, if you and I would separate ourselves toward God and away from the world, he would bless us with great revival. I didn't hear the word revival in that. Well, what is revival? Here's what Paul said. He said God would dwell with us, walk among us. He would be our God. And we would be his people. Now, I don't know what your definition of revival is, but that's revival to me. God is with us and amongst us, and he is our father, and we are his children. God works for us, and he works in us, and he works through us. If we will come out from among them and be separate. See, sometimes I think that the church is too much like the world. It's no wonder we don't have revival in our churches. We're too much like the world. We haven't taken this to heart to come out and to be a little bit different, to be a little bit separate, like God says that we should. You know, more than any other character in the Old Testament, I believe that Samson is perhaps the greatest example of this issue of the blessing of separation. Now, Samson was a man's man. Amen. Samson was a, a, a man's man even more than Clint Eastwood. Amen. Clint, he's, that's, that's the dude right there, man. Right? Pale Rider. You kidding me? Right? So, if Samson was in the UFC, which some of you don't know what that is, he would be better than Chuck Liddell and Brock Lesnar combined. He'd be the best of the best. Samson would have a t shirt with a huge yellow S on it. 
He's Superman. You see, Samson was the strongest man that ever lived. From his birth, Samson was separated for the service of God. And as long as he obeyed God's commands to not drink wine, to avoid impure practices, and leave his hair uncut, the promise of God was, my strength will be on you for all your life. However, as Samson began growing up, he violated all three. He violated all three of those. He went to a party where the wine was flowing, and there's no doubt that he drank wine. He scooped up some honey from an impure dead carcass of a lion and ate it, violating number two. And then he wound up in Delilah's barbershop and got him a haircut just like Brother Bill. <laughs> High and tight, amen? And so Samson flirted with the world. He flirted with rebellion. He flirted with disobedience to God. And he suffered the consequences. You see, Samson lost his strength. He lost God's hand on his life. He lost the blessing of God on his life. He suffered immensely. And his enemies even gouged out his eyes. But here's the rest of the story. The rest of the story tells us that eventually Samson turned away from those worldly things. He turned away from them and his hair started growing back. He turned away from those things and he pleaded with God for forgiveness and restoration. He pleaded with God for his strength to return. And at that very moment, when he turned from all those things and separated himself from the world, Samson renewed his life to God and the power of God came back upon Samson. And at that moment, Samson collapsed the temple of God and the roof came down and he killed himself and 3,000 enemies of Israel. So he was restored. He got it back. But listen, y'all. It cost him his life. His unwillingness to separate from the world cost him his life. What a waste. What a waste. Friends, don't waste the blessings of God. Don't waste the blessings of God by binding yourself to things of this world. They're just not worth it. I mean, if we would just truly commit, commit to being separated to Jesus, commit to being separated from the world, man, there ain't no telling what God would do in us and through us. So let us remember, that it's not just about being separated from the sinful practices of the world. 
just as important. It's that we are to be separated, sold out to Jesus and what he wants for our lives. That's when the blessing of separation comes. When we separate ourselves into that way. Finally and very quickly, I want to share with you the promise of God. The promise of separation. There at the end of verse 18, or in verse 18, here's the promise of God. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You see, if you get serious, if you get real with God and you start separating yourself from the world and unto him, he gives you his word. Now, his word is twofold. Because first, he gives you his word that if you continue to regard iniquity in your heart, he will not hear you. That's the word of God. You continue on binding yourself with the world, uh-uh. He will hide his face from you. He will not hear you. But his promise is also this. If you'll come clean, if you'll come clean and separate yourself to God, cry out to God, God will be a father to you, and you'll be his son or daughter, and his arms will be open wide to receive you. But I want you to know this morning that your father, he's a jealous God. Your father is a jealous God, and he ain't going to tolerate playing games. He's not going to tolerate playing games in your relationship to him. You are far more important than playing games. Sometimes I think we have to ask ourselves, you know what? Am I real? Am I real with God? I know he's real with me, but am I real with him? See, if you don't get serious with God... Just like Samson, suffering is right around the corner. If you don't get real with him, God will let you go the way you choose. He's not going to force you. He'll let you go the way you choose. So, friend, as a Christian, do you want to be both of the world and in the world? pray your answer is no, but what does your life say? Do you want to be popular at all costs? Do you want to be wealthy no matter what it takes? You can do that if you want to. Do you want to hear well done by the world or well done by God? You can do those things if you want. You can be in the world and of the world if you choose. God will let you go that way if you choose. But know this. You have been deceived. You have been deceived because a Christian cannot be yoked with Jesus and the world at the same time. Can't happen. Who are you yoked to this morning? 
Who have you bound yourself up to this morning? To build our lives on Christ, we have to build this foundation of faith. And on this foundation of faith, we realize that God will forgive us, that God has saved us, and God will change us. And then after that, we've got to be separated to God. Separated away from the world. And realize we are his property. We belong to him. Not the world. And even when you're separated to God, you're going to find that there are going to be times when you blow it sky high. Anybody blown it sky high before? You're looking at one of them. Amen. Blown it sky high. And what did I do? I just fell before my father's face and I asked him to forgive me. And the promise of scripture is, is that he will do that. But we can't play games with God. We have to separate ourselves from the world and unto him. And when you do that, I got news for y'all. Man, you can come running back to the father. You can come running back to him and you're going to find his arms open wide. To receive you. His arms open wide to welcome you or to welcome you back. But he does say, come out from among them and be separate. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. There's no denying it. It is the truth. It is the commandment of life. It is the commandment of the Lord our God. And we are to follow it. Father, help us to be in the world, but not of the world. Lord, help us to 